book of the Revelation. Um, had a good time preaching last night up at Gaseous Creek. Thank you, men, for coming. And it was a blessing. The Lord helped us. I do believe the Lord helped the church. And that was our heart's intent going in. Um, but I'm thankful to how the Lord helped me. That the Lord helped us while we were there. And uh, the Lord gave us something new. Didn't have to re-preach anything. So we thank the Lord for that. And so that's not always the case, but I'm thankful when it is the case. Amen. And also I want to remind you tonight, um, do not forget about Friday. If you want to be in church somewhere, go to Mount Carmel. They're having the Jubilee meeting up there like we went to a few weeks ago or in January. Um, and so you remember that um, as he is, um, as they will be having that um, on that day. And so it starts at 7 o'clock. I uh, hope to make it up there. I, don't, I ain't going to promise anything, but I'd sure love to. I enjoy going up there every time I go. I always enjoy preaching there. It's always a blessing to preach there. It's always good liberty. We thank the Lord for that. And so Revelation chapter number um, chapter number 6 tonight. Revelation chapter number 6. I don't know how much I'm going to get through of this. I'd like to get through all verse, uh, through verse 8. Um, or verse, yeah, verse 8. Um which is what I initially uh, had my plan. And if we can do that, that'd be a blessing. Um, but if not, I'm, I'm going to read the whole verse. I'm going to read them all because they kind of go in context of one another. But um, this has been, uh, it's a privilege to get back to the book of the Revelation. Don't you agree? It's a privilege to be able to be looking back into it. And this will be our 14th message in the book of the Revelation. And in chapter 5 and chapter 6, we were able to gaze into heaven and see what John the Beloved got to see on the Spirit and what one day we'll be able to see in the flesh, not in the flesh, but one day we'll be able to see um, in the bodily form, uh, and by sight. Let me just say that. Let's read verse number 1 through verse number 8. The Bible says, And I saw when, lamb, when the Lamb opened one of the seals, and I heard, as it were, the noise of thunder, one of the four beasts saying, Come and see. And I saw, and behold, a white horse, and he that sat on him had a bow, and a crown was given unto him, and he went forth conquering and to conquer. When he had opened the second seal, I heard the second beast say, Come and see. And there went out another horse that was red, and power was given to him that sat thereon, uh, thereon to the, take peace from the earth. I just noticed that. I did not notice that earlier. I must, must underline that. Take peace uh, from the earth, and that they should kill one another. And there was given unto him a great sword. When he had opened the third seal, I heard the third beast say, Come and see. And I beheld, and lo, a black horse, and he that sat on him have a pair of balances in his hand. I want you to notice this verse. And I heard a voice in the midst of the four beasts saying, Now, let me, let me time out. Time out, okay. We've got a time out. I don't know. I don't, I don't know. I don't know if I even get to this tonight. But I'm going to give a time out, okay. <clears throat> I heard a voice in the midst of the four beasts. So the four beasts were around the throne. Is that correct? They were around the throne. And according to this, it does not tell us that any location has changed, okay? Location is still the same. They're still around the throne. And there was, there was, there was one in the midst of them in chapter number 5. Is that right? In chapter number 5, there's one in the midst of them. In the midst of them, who's who? The Lamb. The Lamb was in the midst of them. And so this is Jesus, I would say, that's talking right here. Wouldn't you? Uh, and I heard a voice in the midst of the four beasts say, A measure of wheat for a penny. Now you've got to read this slowly. A measure of wheat for a penny, and three measures of barley for a penny, and see thou hurt not the oil and the wine. And when he had opened the fourth seal, I heard the voice of the fourth beast say, Come and see. And I looked, and behold, a pale horse. And his name that sat on him was death, and hell followed with him, and power was given unto them over the fourth part of the earth to kill with sword and with hunger and with death and with the beast of the earth. Lord, bless the reading. Help me tonight. I need your help. I cannot do this without you. I pray God you'd help. In Jesus' name, help your people. Amen. And so what we see here in the book of the Revelation in chapter number 6 and verse 1 through 8 We've just read there, and I don't believe the setting in any way, shape, or form has changed. I believe they're still around the throne of God. 
at some at some part of 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 my being. I believe that they are still in that in the vicinity there, and um, it seems they have not moved locations at all. Okay, but however, one thing I did notice while reading through this is the speakers have changed. The setting hasn't changed. Um, the shouts have changed. Remember, they were shouting. They were singing. They were singing. They were all those things, but, but the speakers change. Now, we can look back in chapter number 5, and we can see that the elders are doing most of the speaking. The elders are doing most of the speaking, meaning representatives of us. They're doing most of the speaking. They're doing most of the shouting. They're doing all the sing- most of the singing. All those things, and the elder walked up to John and said, Weep not, right? I mean, it was the elder that did that in chapter 5, verse 5. And so, so the elder did those things, and the elders and the beast, the only thing they said was amen. And so, 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 but now, now there's a difference. The speaking has changed. And, and so last chapter, everything that was said was pertaining to heaven or the Lamb of God or something along those lines or comfort. But now, now, now the earth is in view. The earth is in view. Now, remember in chapter 4, there was a representative, and they were the representatives of, of the beast of the earth, right? They were represents. There was four of them. Then what was it? There was the eagle, and there was the, um, the flying eagle, and the face of a man, and the calf, and the lion. And there was representatives there. And then, then now, in chapter number 6, they're speaking. What that which pertaineth to the earth is that what that that's what came out of their mouth. So last week we saw the praise before the punishment, and tonight we would begin to get a view and a grip on the punishment. And so now there's no more um, joyous scenery. There's only judgment scenery. What a change of scenes, right? What a change of scenes. We will have many chapters ahead of us that deal strictly with the judgment of God. And this is the beginning of the tribulation. Don't forget that, okay? This is the beginning of the tribulation. And um, the, the, the beginning of the seven years, okay? It's the beginning of that seven years. Uh, and the Lord's dealing with my heart right now and dealing with my, my mind right now. And so I'm trying to stay focused, but... Notice a few verses throughout Scripture that you can write down uh, that tell us about it. So Matthew chapter 24, we know that's talking about the tribulation, okay? We understand that's talking about the tribulation. And in that time, the Bible says, For then shall be great tribulation. Verse 21, For then shall there be great tribulation, such as was not seen since the beginning of the world of time. No, nor shall ever be. Verse 22, the Bible says, Except those days shall be shortened, there should no, no, no flesh be saved. But for the elect's sake, those days shall be shortened. So it talks about the great tribulation, the beginning of the great tribulation, for then shall be great tribulation. Um, uh, Jeremiah chapter 30, verse number 6, we know these verses, uh, and we've heard of these verses. Ask you now and see whether uh, a man doeth travail with child. Two ladies are about to have travail with child, and it speaks of the travail of the painfulness of childbirth and those things which are associated to it. And wherefore, wherefore do I see every man with his hands on his loins as a woman travail? That's what Scripture says, Jeremiah chapter 30, verse number 6, and all faces are turned into paleness. Don't forget that either. Paleness. Now, what is that telling us? That telling us that there is a... Um, for lack of better terms, and, and there, for, for not being too gross or anything, but there, there's a paleness, and, 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 and even in our phone emojis, I hate to use that, but, but when, if, if, you're, if you're doing throwing up, it's, it's a pale color. It's a, it's a pale color, not just throwing up, but it's a pale color, okay? And so that's kind of what it's talking about there, okay? And alas, for the day is great, so that none is like it. It is even the time... Of Jacob's trouble. It is even the time of Jacob's trouble, but he but he shall be saved out of it. We understand studying in the book of Genesis, we understood that Jacob turned from Jacob to Israel. Is that correct? 
And so he's a representative of all of Israel. And Israel came from him, from Abraham, or came from Abraham, but Abraham to Isaac to Jacob and to Judah and so on. And so you can trace that down, but in this it's called the day of uh, or the time of Jacob's trouble. And simply because during this time, Israel will pass through the judging hand of God and the last, it will be the final God chastening that God will ever give to Israel. That's simply what it's talking about. And so throughout the scripture, this time is called this time is called many different things. It's called the day of the Lord. In the Old Testament, it's called the day of the Lord. It's called the time of Jacob's trouble. It's called the day of darkness. It's called the day of the vengeance of our God. It's called a few different things. And it's representative to what we're going to get into. And so please pay close attention tonight as throughout, as throughout the rest of the study, but some serious stuff. Many things, many things will happen in the next, um, from chapter 6 to chapter 10, many things are going to happen. From chapter 14 to chapter number 19, many things are going to happen. There's a little bit of a span in between there. Um, but, but think about it. In this time, there's no Christians. We've been raptured out, right? There's no real preachers, yet the church house is going to be full, Right? And so there's going to be all those things. And this world has rejected their very creator. And Israel has correct, rejected their very Messiah. And both the earth because of the rejection of the creator. And Israel because of the rejection of their Messiah are going to be judged. So that's what's taking place here in this time. And um, he's dealing bountifully. He's dealing in a serious manner to both of those. And uh, uh, you know there will be two parts. There's two parts. Of the seven year tribulation. There's the part from chapter 6 to chapter 10. And there's the part from chapter 14 to chapter number 19. Israel will be judged more in the latter. And so so there's two parts. There's a three and a half year period. And three and a half year period. Therefore making seven years. And I really don't want to jump ahead of myself. But that's what they are. And the, the first three and a half will. However will, will not be. There will be a peace treaty. But they'll not, it will not be peaceful. Your world ain't peaceful now. Um, but, but it will not be peaceful. But however, it will be less, um, it will be less than the latter. Okay? It will be less than the latter. And nonetheless, though, it's still tribulation. Uh, and they call it the tribulation in chapter uh, 6 through chapter 10. Then in chapter 14 through chapter 19, they call it the great tribulation. Things are different. Things are different. Um, but 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 I do not believe we can fully comprehend what's actually going to happen, okay? But with the Lord tonight, we'll dig in and see what the Bible has to say about it, okay? I'm going to preach this thought. Four horses and four seals. Four horses and four seals. That's what I'm going to preach tonight. I'm gonna, uh, I don't know how much I'll get through. But number one, I want you to notice the seal of falsehood. Verse number 2, the Bible says, And I saw and behold a white horse, and he that sat on him had a bow, and a crown was given unto him, and he went forth conquering and to conquer. Just to be clear, some people believe that this is Jesus Christ himself, okay? I might say something to you in a minute that might make your mouth drop to your uh, face, uh, mouth drop from your face, but uh, it's not Jesus at all. But there are many who believe it is. And a few reasons uh, they believe it is has to do with the crown, has to do with a horse, has to do with a bow, but no arrows implying God will conquer in love and not conquer in judgment, you know, that sort of stuff. But, and more. But however, however, um, there are a few reasons why this cannot be Jesus, okay? We'll state those few reasons. Number one, it can't be Jesus because Jesus is seen in verse number one opening the seals. Okay? That's one reason simple can't be Jesus because he's opening the seals and he cannot do both things. Now understand me. Understand me. I understand. But the Spirit worketh expressly. The Spirit does. Jesus is not in two places here. And, but, I, and I believe he could be. I'm not limited to God. Okay, understand me here. But, but, but first of all, he's opening the seals. What is he going to do, jump on the horse? No. Okay, all right, and so, so secondly, and then the rider is wearing a crown, right? Revelation chapter 19, Jesus is wearing many crowns. 
Another thing, we could go to the Greek term and find that this crown here is a Stephanos, which is a crown that was rewarded to people who done something and was in the Greek games and that sort of stuff. It's the olive leaf crown and all that. You know that. Jesus is wearing many crowns, and that word is diadems. It's diadems, and so, so, the, so, 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 so that's just what it is. And, and Jesus is wearing many crowns. He's wearing many crowns. And the man in our text is given a crown. He's given a crown. Jesus is the king of kings. He wears a crown not because of what he done, but because of who he is. Amen. Amen, friend. On, on the basis of this, I believe the context is not... Uh, now, understand me. Understand me for just, just a moment. Don't let me lose you, okay? This is where I'm about to, about to say something crazy. Last week I said something that I don't know if, if it's true. I'll, I'll just say it to everybody. I said that this, whore, this rider is the Antichrist. And I could not find anywhere in the Bible to prove to me that that's true. Now, it might be. It might be the Antichrist. Hold tight. It might be the Antichrist. There's some of the best writers that I've ever found in my life thinks it's the Antichrist. And I have no authority to go against the writing. But I don't know if it is. Just hang tight, okay? Hang tight with me. But I believe the context is not perfectly clear on who this man is. I will give you a few thoughts, though. I believe it could be debunked that it could be the Antichrist. But also another thing about it is, is that this man does display some serious falsehoods. That's what we're speaking of, right? The seal of falsehoods. And he, he does. And therefore, he's uh, initi- therefore initiating, to my point, falsehoods. And Satan has given imitations of Christ throughout all the way down the line. Right? Let's look into this writer for just a second, okay? Once you notice number one, he displays false peace. False peace. I don't even know if I'll get past the second point here. So, He displays false peace. Many cry, world peace, world peace. Uh, we just need peace. We just need peace. And the only peace that we ever have is false. So you have Christ. He has a bow without the mention of arrows. And I believe this implies much that he will conquer and there will not be bloodshed. You say, how is he going to conquer and not have bloodshed? Well, he'll have all the answers to the Christians been gone. He'll have all the answers to everything and therefore this world will be sent into a strong delusion according to 1 Timothy 4. They'll be sent into strong delusion and through that they will be deceived into believing that he is Jesus. Now be careful now. Be careful. Many will love him, but the lasting resource will ruin this world. And it will eventually run out. It will run out. He'll be the ultimate prosperity preacher, yet in the end he will leave them in nothing but ruin. All the problems will so-called be fixed, but it will all be fixed. False. He will cry peace. He will cry all of these things, but all of it will be false. Excuse me tonight. He displays false peace. Secondly, I want you to notice he displays false, fierce, fierce power. The Bible says at the end of verse number two, and he went forth conquering and to conquer. Now here's one problem. Okay, hang tight with me, okay? Everybody with me say amen, would you? Here's one problem I find with claiming him to be the Antichrist. He went forth conquering and to conquer. But here's a problem I have. He may still be. But if this is the beginning of the tribulation, which it is, we agree on that, right? Say amen. I know I'm not preaching one more teaching tonight, but 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 this is the beginning of the, of the tribulation. And we all agree on that. This is the beginning. Turn with me to the book of Daniel. Please, if you would. 
the book of Daniel. You need to catch this, okay? You need to catch this. If you want to learn anything about what we're about to do, you need to read this with me. If you're not, you'll miss it and you'll be done. You won't understand a thing. The book of Daniel, chapter number 9, okay? Chapter number 9, verse 24. The Bible says, you there say amen. Seventy weeks are determined upon thy people and upon the holy city to finish the transgression and to make an end of sins and to make reconciliation for in, uh, iniquity and to bring in everlasting righteousness and to seal up the vision and prophecy and to anoint the most holy. Now if I ask you, if I ask you what a week is, what are you going to say? Seven days? Is that what you said? Seven days is a week. Just get comfortable here, okay? Now, if you look up the word week, that word week does not mean seven days. It means seven. That's what it means. Seven. Seven. Does not mean seven days. It means seven. So you're telling me, preacher, that it just means seven. That means it could be seven weeks. Means it could be seven years. It could be seven months. It could be seven decades. And so, so if we look at that, the word, eh, let's make it short, okay? So there's 70 of this, meaning there is a seven times seven to it, okay? Hang tight. Which is what? 49. Leviticus chapter 25 verse 8, I think, tells us that there is a 7 times 7, and then the 50th year is Jubilee. So there's a 7 times 7 there, and so, so it's a 70, so 7 and 7, I'm trying not to confuse you, it will confuse you, I promise you will, I'm probably already confused you, but I'm not going to get into that much, but here's the thing. Let's, let's read on, okay? To make an end of sins, to reconcile iniquity, and to um, bring in everlasting righteousness, to seal up the vision and prophecy, and to anoint the Most High. Know therefore understand and understand it. Know it and understand it. That from the going forth of the commandment to restore and to build Jerusalem. Pause. We can look back in the book of Nehemiah. The book of Nehemiah chapter number 2. And there was a king by the name of Anxerxes. Anxerxes. I can't say his name right. But he decreed that it was going to be rebuilt back. And what did they do in the book of Nehemiah? Rebuilt the temple. Okay? He decreed that. So from that time, from the going forth of the commandment. There's 70 weeks. God has a 70-week plan here, right? There's 70 weeks, and he says, From the going forth of that, to build Jerusalem unto the Messiah, the Prince, shall be seven weeks. Seven can mean anything, right? So the 70, so what is the seven? There's a, there's a seven, there's a week of sevens in that, is what we're trying to say here. And so, here we are. And from that decree, it started counting. The 70 weeks started counting. And from that point, that's the beginning of it, okay? Everybody with me so far? I know it's confusing, but hang tight just a second. So, seven sevens, 70 Sevens make 490 years, right? So there's 490 years or weeks there in that 70 weeks. It's 490, okay? 
So from the time of the decree in Nehemiah chapter number 2 to read on unto into the Messiah the Prince shall be seven of those weeks. So seven of those weeks and three score and two weeks. So three score is what? Sixty. And seven is what? Sixty-seven. And two more weeks on top of that is how many? Sixty-nine weeks. Everybody with me so far? You need to know this to understand the rest of it, I promise you. So there's, there's 69 weeks that we haven't counted for. Where is the last week? Hang tight. The street shall be built again and the wall even in troublous times. And after the 69 weeks, right? After that, the three score and two weeks, which is the 67 weeks shall the Messiah be cut off. That's the crucifixion. The Messiah is cut off, but not for himself. And the people of the prince that shall come shall destroy the people of the prince. Now you do enough study on that, you'll find that that is the revival of the Roman Empire. Hang tight. That shall come shall destroy the city and the sanctuary... And the end thereof shall be with a flood. And unto the end of the war, desolations are determined. And he shall, he shall confirm the covenant with many for one week. We found 70 weeks, right? We all agree that there's 70 weeks considered in that, right? And up to the point from Nehemiah chapter number 2 to when Jesus was come into, when he triumphed and entered, okay? To be cut off, by the way. When he did that, he come into that place, and there was 483 years exactly in between it. Where's all the time? Well, hang tight. It shall confirm the covenant. So we've missed that. We just go right back. I mean, until the end of the war of desolation are determined, and the sanctuary and the end thereof shall be with flood. It so at that point, from the time of the decree to the time of the Messiah is sixty nine weeks, or, or four hundred and eighty three years. Then the Messiah is crucified, and then there is a pause. You know what we call it? The church age. It's called the church age. There's a pause. There's a pause there. And a prince is going to arise out of the Roman Empire. But the truth will come out. And he'll break the peace. And commit an abomination that desolates. The 70th week is the tribulation. Ain't I? Now if we were to look, if this is the beginning in Revelation chapter 6 of the, tribu- of the, of the tribulation, which I, it is. If this is the beginning, then Revelation chapter number 13 tells us, verse 1 through 8, tells us that there's a beast that comes on the scene in Revelation chapter 13. And if that beast is who I believe he is, being the Antichrist, hold on, I just turned back. We need to turn back for just a second because we didn't finish reading. Then we find that this same man, this same person that makes the abomination that desolates, we find even, let's see, and he shall confirm the covenant with many for one week. He's going to confirm a covenant with Israel. 
And in the, say that next word, midst of the weak. Now you tell me what the Bible means by midst. The middle of it. Three and a half years of that week. He shall cause the sacrifice and the oblation to cease. And for the overspreading of abomination, he shall make it desolate, even until the consummation, and that determined shall be poured upon the desolate. So we have the 483 years. We have found the last seven years, or the last week. And we have found that he does not appear until the middle of it. Is that right? He does not come on the scene. But, 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 prior to that, there is this, as we saw. There is a prince that arises out of the Roman Empire. And he is there. So if this is the Antichrist in Revelation chapter 13, and Daniel's 70th week is the beginning of the tribulation, then in the middle of that is when his powerful reign comes. Right? He will not appear into the midst of that week when he makes it desolate. I believe he'll have some workings. I believe he 100% will, but after Satan is cast out, by the way, that's when he appears. Revelation chapter 13. But nonetheless, this man is surely powerful. When you say he's a man of fierce power, I know that took a little bit of time, but to understand that, I mean, it's tough to understand. I understand that. There's a, I hope you don't forget what I just said to you. There's 70 weeks. And there they are as the 70th week is the tribulation. So every week is determined as a year. Right? Is that what we're going through? Every week is determined as seven years is my point. Seven years is a week. And you have those things. And you have 490 years in total. And from Nehemiah chapter 2 to Christ, the triumphant entry. When he's getting ready to be cut off, it's 483 years. Then he's cut off. There's a pause in it. Because Jesus has to bring home a Gentile bride, amen. Thank the Lord. Y'all better be shouting over that one. Amen. I mean, he has to bring home a Gentile bride. And in that pause, will be uplifted and God will say the timer is back on. And the tribulation commences. That's what we have. But I believe this man is a man of fierce power. He's a man of fierce power. Thirdly, uh, and so that was my point to say, I, I, I cannot prove 100% who this man is, okay? He displays fierce power. Then we see he displays fraudulent problems. Now this man betrays himself to be like Christ upon every appearance. However, he's not Jesus. It's all false. And everything he is and everything he says will be a study on lies and falsehoods. And this world is reeked with deception right now that we live in, but they will surely fall for this man's lies. They'll fall for his lies. The seal of falsehood. Secondly, I want you to notice the seal of fighting. The Bible says, and when he had opened the second seal, I heard the second beast say, Come and see. And there went out another horse that was red, and power was given to him that sat there on to take peace from the earth, and that they should kill one another. And there was, there was given him unto him a great sword. Now the second horse and the rider appears, and 
this horse is red and he's red as the color of fire and red as the color of blood and fire has the power to devour. Fire has the power to devastate and to destroy. And when the fires of this war are unleashed upon this earth that we live in, there will be bloodshed on an unrecognizable level. This seal unleashes a time of war such as this world has never known. It's a time, number one, of no harmony. It's a time of no harmony. The peace instituted has been taken, according to verse number four. Prior, he seemed to be... There seemed to be peace that was passes all understanding at some point in time. But now there's no peace. The peace has been taken and war breaks out all over all the world. And of course this is what Jesus would have to say about it in Matthew chapter 24. In verse 6 and 7 he says that it is. But also he warns men about putting too much stock. Uh, uh, depending too much on the cries of peace. Uh, and doing all those things. Uh, and all the politicians and all the people that banter these peace. Uh, and peace and peace. Uh, and all the rulers of this world don't listen to them. Uh, because peace will only last for a short time. Peace will only last for a short time. I'm looking for a verse. I think it's in 1 Thessalonians. In chapter number 5, I think that's where it is. And the Bible says right there, For when they shall say peace and safety, then sudden destruction cometh upon them as travail upon a woman with child. They shall not escape. They shall not escape this time that, that's going to be a time of no uh, harmony or no peace upon this earth. Can you just imagine a world uh, that has no peace at all? In every corner of every single place, violence and war will rage rampantly. And this, that is the world that every single lost sinner will face during the tribulation. It's a time of no harmony. It's a time of no harmony. It's a time of nasty hostility. It says the Bible tells us that this writer is given a a great sword. And the word great refers to an extent of war. It it refers to that. And it will be um, worldwide. It will be a worldwide war. And this word uh, sword refers to the uh, short sword carried by Roman soldiers. And and it has all that reference to it. But these swords were used in a hand-to-hand combat. And it was used in battle. and, uh, And they were very effective in putting the enemy to the death. But true colors are coming out for this, these, these men. He has already gotten his peace treaty with Israel. He's already got the Antichrist at some point of time is already directing. Uh, now we're not at this point. But there's a direction that's taking place that's leading up to the peace treaty with Israel. And that prince, I believe, that prince has already gained that peace treaty when the Antichrist comes on the scene. So therefore, when he comes on the scene as the leader, he's already got power and prominence. Everybody with me? He's already got it. What does the Bible say in 2 Thessalonians? I'm reminded of this verse in the book of 2 Thessalonians. Um, the Bible says, I forgot where 2 Thessalonians was, but um, the Bible says in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, the Bible says, And now ye know, let's see, who's, who, who opposeth and exalteth himself above all, as called God, or that is worship, so that he is at God, as God sitteth, sitteth in the temple of God, showing himself that he is God. Remember ye not that when I was with you, yet yet with you I told you of these things? And now ye know what withholdeth that he might reveal in his... For the mystery of iniquity doeth already work. Only he who now letteth will let. Until he be taken out of the way. (coughs) His work is going on now. 
But at this time, it will be too late. I tell you, after men allow him that place, he will demand absolute power. When this happens, many of the powerful countries of this world will rebel and the world will um, experience war on a scale that they've never seen before and never witnessed before. Uh, And friend, imagine a world consumed by war. Nations will rise against nations. Kingdoms will rise against kingdoms. Are you not hearing this? Like, Like, is it not going on in our world today? Race wars, class wars, religious wars, all the things will abound on this day. Every war you can think of and peace will be completely as far as it can be away from it. Mm. There'll be wars. Now you think about this thought for me. There'll be no mama praying for these wars. There'll be no daddy praying for these wars. There'll be no preachers praying for these wars to end. There'll be none of those things taking place for prayers to get through to the throne room of grace. Because grace will be extinguished. I'm telling you, there'll be no gospel given to the ones that are in the that are that are down there digging their holes to get away from the shells that have been thrown. It'll be a time of war. It'll be a time of war without God, without the Spirit, without Jesus is completely without hope. Every, I'm telling you, every single person that will die in these wars will die and take their next breath on the lower side of hell. It's crazy, but it's true. There's the seal of falsehood, the seal of fighting. I want you to notice, thirdly, there's the seal of famine. For the Bible says in verse 5, and when he had opened the third seal, I heard the third beast say, Come and see. And I beheld, and lo, a black horse. And he that sat on him had a pair of balances in his hand. And I heard a voice in the midst of the four beasts say, Measure of wheat for a penny, and three barlers of, three measures of barley for a penny. And see, thou hurt not the oil or the wine. So here we are. The third seal is opened up, and an, another rider comes out. And this horse is a black horse. Well, you look at the Bible, and black is associated with a time of famine, by the way. And famine throughout the Bible also comes after war most of the time. And so there's a worldwide time of famine. I believe we can see in these verses that it's going to be a time of shortages. The rider on this horse we see has a set of balances in his hand or scales if you want to say. And uh, there'll be many different shortages that take place. It's got to be a perfect it's got to be a perfect balance. It's got to be a perfect weight uh, in order to get it. And, uh, there, there'll be, there'll be uh, no food. The, the food will be so severe that no man can find these food. Or any necessities. We can go to the grocery store today or restaurant and right now and buy everything we want. Might not have the money for it, but you can buy everything you want. Anything you want, you can buy in the grocery store. My cabinets, my refrigerator, all of those things, I have what I need. Right? 
We know nothing about this, friend. We know nothing about this. I understand we might know something partially about um, not or being hungry or not having enough or, or some of those things, but, but the day is coming when famine will break across this land. There's been rationing of food in the history of America. There's been rationing. Uh, there's wars that took place, and there was um, during the World War II. They said they rationed food very, very frequently. And when the war began, the um, certain goods uh, began to increase, and and all of that kind of stuff. And rations were handed out, and handed out, and handed out one by one. And things that that we like take for granted uh, today, like coffee and if you like coffee and, and you know sugar and butter and cheese and meat and all that canned goods and all that kind of stuff and shoes and gasoline and all that they said in those books were carefully displayed and carefully um, put out and, and, and portioned to people and uh, um, during the height of the war they said that 12 ounces of sugar was limited uh, um, to 12 ounces a week. They said that in those days of World War II that gas was three gallons per time. That's all you could get. They said coffee was one pound per five-week period. Those must have been hard times. But I'll tell you this, those shortages will not compare to what's going to take place in the tribulation. It's a time of shortages. It's a time of starvation. Verse number 6 tells us something of the problems that will exist during that time. The Bible says, and I heard a voice in the midst of the four beasts say, a measure, a measure of wheat. A measure, a biblical measure, would be good enough food to feed a grown working man. And a penny is referred to in the Greek term denarius. You've heard it. Which, by the way, was one day's wages. Matthew chapter 20, verse number 2. Matthew chapter 20, verse number 9 tells us it's a day's wages. Now you tell me, now you tell me, if we're using the Bible, what the Bible is, that tells me that a day's wages is going to get bread. A day's wages is going to get you bread in that day. Think about it. All you do, all you do in that time, all you earn is to buy you food. A man can only support himself in this time. A man cannot support his wife. A man cannot support his children. And that's why Jesus said in Matthew chapter 24, Woe to them that are with child or them that give suck in those days. Woe to them because there will be a measure that you won't even be able to support yourself. Woe unto them. Here's the image. A man... Will work all day just to be able to buy enough food to feed himself. Is that all right? People have some hard choices to make in that time. You think people's going to quit having babies? No. But here we have it. That's why the Bible is the basic instructions before leaving this earth. We must heed those instructions of this word and and people who cannot get out and work for themselves will be left to starve uh, to death so the workers can eat. 
there will not be any help. It'll be a terrible time. A terrible time. According to a recent study, they say that every 3.6 seconds, a person dies of starvation. Every year, 15 million children die of starvation across our earth. Four million people starve every single year. 1.3 billion people live on less than $1 of income per day. Another 3 billion have to try and survive on less than $3 per day. See how good God's been to you? It's a time of starvation. It's a time of separation. I'm going to be done after this when I have one more horse, unless you want to keep me going home, but uh, it's a time of separation. At the end of that, we see, and see thou hurt not the oil and the wine. Be a time of separation. I believe that verse, that, that phrase, need thou hurt the oil and the wine. I believe that phrase is separating the rich from the poor. Luxury items will not be affected. Right? But it could be looked on as a different matter. We find in the book of Luke where there is a many that come by. Jesus uses this parable. And we call it the parable. And I'm trying to remember this word. But I can't, say, I can't get it across. My, we call it the parable of the Samaritan. All of them passed by. The Pharisee passed by. The Sadducee passed by. All of them passed by. But one did not pass by, and that's the Samaritan. And the Bible says that he poured on his wounds oil and wine. I'm telling you something. There's going to be a great divide. In this time. We live in a rich society, don't we? We live in a rich world. There's so much money in this world, it's not even funny. They said to buy one missile. If you were to buy one missile for our nation's military, you could support... 15,000 missionaries for 100 years to buy one missile. This world's got their priorities wrong. One missile. They say that the average American puts enough food in a trash can every day to feed feed a family of six in India for a week. That's what they say. Talk about America here. Wicked world. They said for the price of a missile as well, for that same price of a missile, a school, that they say for that same price of a missile, a school full of hungry children could eat lunch for five years. We're talking about separation here. The separation of the rich and the poor. They say that throughout all of the 1990s in that time, more than 100 million children die from illness and starvation. And those 100 million deaths could have been prevented for the very price of the 10 stealth bombers or what the world spends on its military in two days. Two days.
to satisfy the world's sanitation. You know, you see those signs that says 100 when you go into a restaurant for the Americans, right? They say to satisfy the sanitation ratings and the food requirements of Americans would cost $13 billion a year. And this is like 10 years ago, plus years ago. And they say to satisfy all that sanitation that we don't have in America now. They say if we were to be able to satisfy that... It would. It, it's literally the same thing. This is what this, the the same price. Thirteen billion dollars. Thirteen billion dollars is what it would take to completely heal. Thirteen billion to twenty billion dollars to completely heal all the sanitation of this of this ugly, this nasty world. Asheville's nasty. Okay. Would you not agree that it's nasty when you drive up the streets and you just see a bunch of trash everywhere? It's nasty. But they say that 13 to 20 billion dollars or even higher is what it would take to completely clear everything in this world. But that's exactly what the same amount of money that the United States and Europe together spend on perfume each year. They say the assets, the net worth of the world's three richest men, not going to name them, the world's three richest men are more than the combined GNP, gross net worth, or whatever, gross net something, of all the least developed countries on the planet, that them three have more money than the least developed countries on this entire planet. Combined. We live in a wicked world. A wicked world. And they're engrossed with money and I wants and they have everything they have, including us. We have everything we want, yet there's people dying left and right. And this is not going to touch what is going to take place in the tribulation. It's 9 o'clock. But there's simply the seal of famine, the seal of fighting, and the seal of falsehood. And then I'll just tell you this one. There is the seal we read in verse 7 and verse 8. When he had opened the fourth seal, I heard the voice of the fourth beast say, Come and see. And I looked, and behold, a pale horse. And his name that sat on him was Death and Hell followed with him. And power was given unto him them over the fourth part of the earth to kill with sword and with hunger, with death and with the beast of the earth. There's the seal of fatality. There's death. That same word pale comes from a Greek word. I can't pronounce it, but that's where we get our same word chlorine from. And the word means green. And it refers to a sickly green color. And it refers to a corpse after their death. So, there's some serious things going to take place. And the Lord's giving me liberty to stop right now, so that's what I'm going to do. There's some horses in here. There's some seals that take place. And those horses are coming with riders on them. And it's going to be devastating to this earth. It's going to be absolutely devastating to this earth. It's going to be fully a time of famine. It's going to be a time of fatality. And it's 100% going to be a time of falsehood. And it's going to be a time of war. Fighting. Fighting. You don't want to be here. I know this is more subtle type style of going about it. But it ought to be eye opening. I don't want it, it's got me thinking so much, I don't want nobody else to be here either. Lord help us to fulfill the Great Commission before Jesus comes back. Because the seventieth week of Daniel 
is on its way. You can stand to your feet, please. Lord, we thank you, God, for your goodness, grace, and mercy. We ask you, dear God, to help us throughout the night. Lord, help me, God, to be a better witness for you. Lord, help me to be a better... Um, Lord, I would just tell more about you, Lord. It's all about you, Lord. I don't want nobody, my family, nobody, anybody else's family in here, Lord, to have to face this, this judgment to come. But Lord, I'm thankful that I got to, I get to, I get to experience the joy, Lord, instead of the judgment. I ask you, dear God, to help these people. Lord, help us all in this day. We need your help, and we love you. We praise your holy name for all that you do. Keep us safe throughout the rest of this week. In Jesus' name.